Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast. This is Andrew Roberts, and today I'm joined by my lovely wife, Charlie, for this little intro. Hello. Charlie, last weekend was Easter, and so I was a little bit lazy because we had such a fun weekend, yeah, and we I didn't did. put a podcast out last Monday. So this week, we're back and we're rolling, um, but we really just enjoyed some some good time last weekend with Easter. Yeah, it was a great time with family. Yeah, we had uh, a crawfish broil. Um, broil? Excuse me. <laughs> a crawfish... <laughs> a, cra- <laughs> a crawfish boil. And that is always fun for me. I grew up on crawfish because a lot of my family's from Louisiana. But I made a rookie move and I ate some potatoes in the beginning and got all filled up. So I didn't didn't eat the full amount of crawfish that I wanted to. We finished 50 pounds of crawfish between the four of us. We didn't finish. So we did just fine. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't finish it. We saved a little bit afterwards for some crawfish etouffee. But Easter was good. Spending time with family and uh, getting to enjoy that. But this week, we're back and we're rolling it with another podcast, and this guest is none other than the CEO of ABOR. Her name is Emily Chenever. Oh, tell we, me more. Well, Chenever is a beautiful last name, I would say. I don't know if it's French. It's, got, <laughs> it's exciting. But <laughs> she is, like I said, the CEO of ABOR, which is the Austin Board of Realtors, and a, a lot of you guys listening are realtors or real estate agents or real estate investors. And so this was super interesting to kind of find out about her story yeah. and what they're doing at ABOR to really just make things better in the real estate industry. Um, we learned uh, that she's from Dallas, so she's a native Texan, not native to Austin, which is okay. But <laughs> we'll she, allow it. Yeah, I know. We'll, make, we'll give her a pass. <laughs> but she went to UT, and then she roasted me for going to Texas State. Honestly, not cool, Emily. Not cool at all. <laughs> But uh, she fell in love with Austin, um, and then she started working at ABOR actually right out of college, um, kind of on the <laughs> beginning stages of things as far as like an entry-level job, and then worked her way up. Wow, um, that's very yeah. impressive. Yeah, and now she's the CEO, and they're doing some really cool stuff at ABOR as far as trying to make things better for everybody across the board in the industry and um, make things fair and really just uh, help agents and uh, so that their clients can really benefit from it as well. That's really, awesome. Yeah, very cool to learn about her. She, I know Emily does a lot of uh, networking things as far as ABOR is concerned, and they're making it um, a real fun environment for realtors and agents. And she actually started her own podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. For, What's it called? It's called Scratch That. <laughs> and uh, um, she gets into why they. it's called Scratch That. It's about like kind of getting below the surface of some of the nitty-gritty but also, I kind of think it's a play on words for like, if you're wondering something about real estate, you got an itch. You got to scratch that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we should fact check that with her. Yeah, I don't think that's, what she's, I don't those what, I don't think that's what she's going for. But, you know, maybe maybe scratch that uh, little excerpt that I just said. But <laughs> she uh, is doing really good with uh, that podcast. And it's really cool. Um, I've listened to about four or five episodes and she's killing it. She's a great host. And. Uh, I really enjoy that, so kudos to her. to listen to it. Yeah. All of her information is going to be in the show notes below. And without further ado, here is Emily Chenever. Today is a really exciting episode for Matt and I. 
uh, we have the honor of interviewing uh, none other than the CEO of ABOR, which is the Austin Board of Realtors. Uh, Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, and so what we do uh, is, you know, we get to interview real estate professionals and entrepreneurs and kind of just dive into their story. And so I kind of want to just get right into it. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Okay. I'm from Dallas originally. Okay, cool. Yeah. Born and raised and uh, moved to Austin when I went to UT. Traditional gotcha. story, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and what did you get your degree in? My degree is in government. Okay. So the day I walked through the door, I declared government, which never happens that people stick with what they you know, started with. Right. But I graduated in three years and one summer semester because I wanted to work so much more than I wanted to be in school. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sick. Well, <laughs> sounds like my story. Yeah, well. I'm like, <laughs> how fast can I get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was not my story. I yeah, like not my lab. husband's either. <laughs> love, standing, love college. I, could go, I would go back if I could. Yeah. Um, and so why did you choose government? What was the goal with that? So um, I have my father was a politician, was an elected official. That's really my background. Even within the association business, I was working in government affairs for the association long before I worked in, into operations and communications and CEO stuff. Okay. So that's my background. Uh, were you like class president or anything like that? Negatory. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I I guess I was like studious, sure. but I have never wanted to run myself, but have always enjoyed being in and around them uh-huh. um, and really enjoyed when I worked for the association in government affairs, I was the lobbyist for our members. So I represented your interests at city hall and at the state. Gotcha. And I loved that. That was fun. Okay. Very cool. That's super cool. Uh, Andrew knows this. It's like one of my secret passions is to get into politics one day. Yeah. So it's cool to hear We that. can make that happen. Let's do it. We, yeah. we you heard love, it here first. We love realtors turned politicians because awesome. you take our interests, you know, straight to the dice, which is sweet. Right. Yeah. yeah I think that'd be cool. So I, I would actually like to hear about your dad and what he did. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He was county treasurer in Dallas County. So um, if you were a juror ever in Dallas County, he signed your check at some point when you got paid your jury check. Okay. Um, but before that, he was chief of staff for a county commissioner. He just worked in and around party politics also for a very long time. I used to kid that I grew up like uh, with with cuts on my tongue from licking envelopes uh, like for campaigns. Yeah. Like That was dinner time was doing just stuff for campaigns that they were in and working around. My parents met as young children in a political event and then met again later as adults. Um, wow. Their parents were political friends also, so it's sort of in my blood. Yeah, yeah. friends and family. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a big brother. Okay. Yeah. And, and so is... actually yesterday was National Siblings Day, so I gave him a shout out. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> he is not political at all. Oh, He's completely wow. different. He works um, as a sales manager for Starbucks. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, some people, it's like when their parents do something, it's either they go all into it or they go like as far yeah. away from it as possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I thought I was going to do exactly what my dad did, but uh-huh. there's definitely a connection there. He and I are very close, and it's nice that he understands my work, or understood that work for a long time. Yeah. He sort of understands what I do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you graduate from UT. Yep. And you had fallen in love with Austin. Yeah, so you wanted to and a boy. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So you met your... So I met Hunter when I was in school at okay. UT. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, and he, um, Hunter started two years earlier and finished at about the same time that I finished. Okay. But, so he took the extended stay at UT. Sure. Uh, but we got married here, and I went to work actually for Abor as a line staffer 
in a totally different department, like doing programming, just a little bit of admin stuff. Wow. Um, so I always kid that like I've grown up with and around the realtors forever. Sure, yeah. But so that was the was Abor the first job right out of college. Yeah. Wow. Is that crazy? I and, know. And you stayed here ever since? So, no, I left at one point. So, I worked for ABOR in, in an admin position. I left to work for a master plan community developer at one point, Newland okay. Communities, who built TerraVista and Falcon Point. Mm-hmm. I still live in Falcon Point, actually, because I bought a house with them while I was working for the developer. Gotcha. Um, and then I came back to ABOR for a quick stint in government affairs. But then I spent a longer period of time with Texas Realtors, with the Texas Association of Realtors. Okay. And they moved me to Dallas. So I worked as a field staffer in government affairs, which okay. means there are lots of little associations who can't afford government affairs staff full time. Uh-huh. So TAR supports them with this field staff that covers a big, you know, regional territory. Gotcha. So I did that. I had a baby there. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> My first son was born there, and then we moved back to Austin when I came back to Abor in a director capacity. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and was it, I mean, was the first job at Abor, was it just like a, um, what led you to work for Abor? Was I it mean, something about real estate that attracted you, or was it... No. The company itself or what no, was it? No, it was a family connection. Okay. You know, I was I was a new graduate, baby, baby. And my dad's boss at the time, her husband was the CEO of the Dallas Association, Metro Texas Association of Realtors. Okay. And he made a friendly call to the local association in Austin because that's where I was living. This was the position that they had available for me at that time, that admin position, and I took it because I wanted to have a job and a paycheck. Gotcha. So I just sort of fell into it, but then I fell in love with real estate, with real tours, with the work that you guys do. Sure. And it was, you know, like fun from there. I just never wanted to leave you guys. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And so now uh, I know you said you uh, bought a house. So what's your, I guess, standpoint on um, investment properties Yeah. Um, and, uh, I guess, the house or houses that you own? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's there's no, there's no more compelling factor than the fact that owning real property just builds wealth inherently. Um, and certainly owning property in Austin, Texas builds wealth given how fast we're appreciating and just watching what the market's doing in terms of value growing so quickly. Um, but it's, you know, it's also there's a pride in that, right? It, it's a cultural thing in our country to have pride in your ownership and pride in the place that you can call home that you own. So right. I still really believe in the value of that American dream. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's it's been questioned before. And, you know, as as regulatory changes are made, we have to continue to support that value by protecting it and making it accessible to more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know. I love being a homeowner, despite the fact that we did a ton of fencing (laughs) over spring break and things break and all the things. But it's an amazing experience, and it's good for my boys. It's good for our family. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, And so working for ABOR, um, what's like your, I guess, your favorite thing about working or I guess around real estate with realtors? Yeah. Um, What do you enjoy the most about that? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, I tell people every day is a gift. Like, every day is different here. Um, Because of, you know, the 13,000 people that we serve, there is one of every kind in that spectrum. So 
I really love how, how diverse your backgrounds are. Like, you know, Matt, it's, it's unusual that people uh, start out in real estate so young and then stick with it. Many of you have had these whole other experiences and other careers, and then something led you to this path. And I just love, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. got something to work hard at, and they bring a different skill to it. Mm-hmm. But each of those skills is uniquely purposed for this business. Sure. And I love that. That's fa- I love that. And you say, every, like, everyone always says every deal's different, but every realtor's different. It's true, yeah. And, and there's something different. I don't know what it is. You probably touched on it, but it's like the community of realtors. It's just kind of a fun group of it's people. It's a family, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You kind of just understand things yep. a little differently. Yeah. So, it, it's, and, that's a good thing about it, though. It's right. very familial. Yeah, and, and networking is always fun. You know, yeah. when you go to real estate events, you know you're going to have a good time. There's always like a cocktail and some food. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. So where you're at now um, as a CEO of yeah. ABOR, uh, what would you say was, like, I guess the biggest success or what was the biggest thing that you would account to your success so far? Yeah. Um, well, it's no secret. We had a very kind of public political turmoil in the organization before I took over as the CEO. And I'm proud that we've recovered from that, that we have a more cohesive leadership. And then I feel like we're all rowing in the same direction with one vision of serving our members and serving them well. Right. So I think that you know, that's the greatest success. It's hard to qualify and there's no metric for that, except that I know that the feeling and the culture of our membership and our staff and our organization is different than it was before. Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So I'm really curious about your leadership skills. Oh. I You have an older brother. <laughs> I do. Um, and I don't know why I always go back to people's childhood. Um, but <laughs> he likes to get deep. I, that, yeah. that is where all the baggage comes <laughs> from. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, uh, nurture versus nature. But uh, so I'm the youngest of, of five kids. And uh, oh, it was. Bless it, your heart. Yeah, I, yeah. Everybody calls me the baby. And so I, uh, it was easy for me and comfortable for me to. I guess, not be in a leadership role when I was growing up. I had a bunch of older siblings, uh, parents. So what, uh, I guess, helped you to step into, because as a CEO, you have to be, you know, a good leader. Yeah. Um, you have to be, you know, a, a woman of the people, yep. so, to, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had to, through my career, I've had to really step out of my comfort zone to do that. Is that the same for you, or um, how did that No, I mean, I would say I'm less owner of the people and more with the people. Okay. So um, part of what makes me unique, I think, uh, as a CEO of this organization, is that I worked in that line staff capacity all the way up the organization. So I was actually just talking to a staff member this morning about our member management system. It's like the backbone of our infrastructure. And I said, I can still process a payment, Gordon. Like, yeah. <laughs> And he said, I know, you're about the only CEO that ever could. <laughs> um, but I do, I understand their business. Mm-hmm. And I try to be like in their business, not to the extent that I'm in their way, but that they feel like they could sit shoulder to shoulder with me mm-hmm. and that I understand their experiences so that I can go represent those when I'm working with leadership to make a change or we're doing something together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I try to lead by doing sure. and being with them. Uh, and I think that that was taught to me just in my family. You know, my par- truly my parents' political experience was very much about building and being in community with people that they wanted to serve. Mm-hmm. And that's, I hope, how I'm approaching our business. That's awesome. 
what are your, I guess, present day goals with uh, ABOR yeah. uh, as a CEO and uh, kind of what are you guys doing? Yeah, we've got some big ones. Um, you know, we're both the association and the MLS, and those are two different things, which people don't understand. Mm-hmm. But the association is a non-for-profit, you know, community of realtor people who are being represented through professional development programs and advocacy and networking. The MLS is a piece of technology and a place where you do your business. Those are very, very different. So one of the things that we're working on this year is to kind of create some separation there in the way that decisions are made in the two entities and just the the actual structure of them from a staffing perspective. We want that MLS to be able to operate really nimbly and and operate like the piece of technology that it is. Mm -hmm. We want the association to be much more about community and bringing our members closer to us and telling us what you need and letting us be responsive to that. Mm -hmm. So that's like our our biggest goal is really creating a little bit more separation, helping the members understand the difference between the two. Sure. We are opening and expanding our north office. So we currently have a little bitty office in Cedar Park, yeah. right by the medical center. Yeah, we're taking breakfast over there in a couple of weeks. Good. Yeah. Okay, go see our members. Yeah. Um, but we're moving just a few blocks down the road okay. into a larger space that will have a larger classroom space and... Um, just a better fit for the members. So gotcha. we're really excited about that. That'll come later this summer. Um, and we're just trying to crank out, you know, more opportunities for you guys to be in and around your marketplace and in and around networking opportunities with members. And, you know, we just want to know you better so that we can serve you better. Yeah, that's awesome. we got a couple questions. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about how the MLS and the association are totally separate. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as far as like the business side of all of it. Yeah. Um, like on the MLS, is that a third party system? Like they own the MLS over the entire country and then associations pay to get access and then the members get access through the association? Yeah. So the, uh, the when you when you say the MLS, you mean the platform, you mean matrix. Right. When I say the MLS, I mean the whole infrastructure, the structure of our marketplace. Okay. So yeah, we leverage an, a third party platform that we have to buy on your behalf and then we sell back to you through subscription fees. Got it. Um, but the MLS includes the business rules of it. It includes the agreement to compensation. You know, that's the, the backbone of the MLS. It right. includes the policies around syndication and content licensing, all this stuff, right? That's the MLS. Matrix is just, it's the infrastructure that supports all of those things. I see what you're saying. So with just Matrix in general, is that one company over the entire country? No. Well, there are multiple MLS providers, but Matrix is owned by a company called CoreLogic. They do have the largest share of, of MLSs across the country. They've got the largest share of users. Got it. But um, it, it's one company of many. Okay. And then like this, so for people who don't know, we're at the ABOR office. Yeah. Um, but the actual real estate, it's owned by ABOR, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then who, does any, does a group own ABOR? or is Nope. It, you own ABOR okay. as a member. All the members own Yeah. The, and then the members are, are our owners to, to an extent. Yeah. You know, we're... A, a C6 nonprofit organization, and then ABOR owns the MLS as an asset. So that business is a business asset of the association. Got it. It's kind of like a parent-child relationship. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and one more question. This is just something that, that I, it's kind of a side topic, but yeah. um, wholesalers. Yeah. Do you, do you know much about wholesaling? Yeah, I'm aware. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm aware. And, and the reason I ask is. Uh, what I, do you define as a wholesaler? You know, there's so many emerging brokerage types now, it's hard to, de- to right. define these, these so, guys. So, like, I'm, I'm on some different Facebook groups. Oh, and, of course and you are. with a lot of investors <laughs> here that 
Um, that's all they do is wholesale. And so these guys will go and put a property under contract and then, you know, basically assign the contract, mark mm-hmm. it up. And a, a lot of them have no intent of actually buying the property mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah. So it, it the more I started thinking about it, because I've, I've done a lot of the stuff that wholesalers do, but just try to buy the properties myself. Mm-hmm. And then the more I started thinking about it as an agent, it's, it's just a weird industry because mm-hmm. like me as an agent, if I find a deal, I'm going to give my client those savings. Yeah. Where a wholesaler is not going to be licensed, I, I believe, for the most part, and they're going to be able to just mark it up. And like yeah. I tell, like when I was doing commercial, like I had, you know, guys that I worked with that easily could have marked properties up hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and made that money, mm-hmm. but they never even considered it because mm-hmm. that was like we're agents. That's the mindset, and yeah. so it's just interesting to me. Like, yeah. I almost it, feel like they should have a license. I, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of even thinking out loud. Yeah. Well, if they're working in the MLS, they have a license because there are business rules that provide for that. Mm-hmm. So, but there are those guys that are working Most outside of the MLS. Most of the ones I'm talking about, not. Like they're just right. sending out mailers, door knocking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an interesting time in real estate right now. Like there are more emerging business models than you and I could have ever imagined even two years ago. Right. And it's really pushing the boundaries on what you and I understand as agency, what we understand about in terms of how we represent our clients and their interests, transparency and the pricing and the fee structure. It's it's evolving quickly. Um, Certainly the association and, and the MLS is focused on how we retain value in the marketplace that is the MLS, like how we we want to keep as much volume there as we can so that your comps are accurate, so that values are accurate. Um, so that your investors have access to the widest breadth of properties available as you're searching on their behalf. But it's, you know, we're being challenged there. Right. And, and realistically, we're trying to pivot to evolve towards how do we keep all of that in the tent? Right. And we're not there yet. We haven't yeah. answered those questions. Well, even as something like uh, sharing your login, right? Yeah. Know, no like, bueno. Don't do it. <laughs> right. Well, but, but it's I easy. know you're not doing that. <laughs> right. But it's easy to do. And and when I worked at, a, when I was just doing commercial real estate, we had CoStar. Yeah. And you can't share that. Right. Um, right. So to me. And you paid an arm and a leg for it every right. month, right? So it's like, to me, it seems like it'd be pretty easy to stop that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, our goal is to stop that, is yeah. to not allow for that kind of stuff. And compliance is, a, if we're going to have the rules, we have to have adequate compliance. I think we are looking at ways to tamper down on the market, but also not be this like police force that makes you turn away from wanting to participate. Right. You know, there's a fine line. If we put too many rules in place or, I hear you. you know, I hear people talk about the the extent of the required fields at listing input and they're like, it's just too much. I'm just not going to put it in. Well, if you don't put them in, or if I don't require you to put in that number of fields, then you don't feel like you have adequate data when you go to search. Right. So it's, you know, we're always walking That's a fine a good line. Point. And like even because when I was doing that at commercial, I had to be at that specific desktop. Yeah. And so no, realtors want to be able to work for their phone. Y'all would or never. Another, right. Are you kidding yeah. me? So when that. was the last time you searched a property at a desktop? Yeah. Like, right. that is not happening. It's definitely not happening in a market like this where properties are moving so quickly. You are real time in your vehicle with somebody you're showing, your trying phone. to figure out where we're going next. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, we need the technology to catch up. We want to continue to push our vendors to mm-hmm. make changes that work for you in the market and work for your clients in the market. Um, but we also are realistic about, like, how much can we tamper down versus we want to keep you in our tent. Right. Mm-hmm. I believe the, the coming soon, mm-hmm. yep. that, that's gone, right? Yes. What was the point of that? 
you know, the idea was that if we could give you a place to tee up your properties in the way that you are on Facebook, that you would do it in the MLS and we would capture more of the data. But the reality is when we watched it through the period of time that we had it, we weren't getting any more or less. It was, you know, if anything, it was confusing. And we did not really clearly define, is that a pre-market period? Is it not? Is it a make-ready period? Is it a price testing period? You know, people were using it for all different purposes, which made it very difficult to put strict business rules around. Good point. And I saw a lot of wholesalers picking those up. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were mispriced and Mm -hmm. they were just you know, mark them up 5,000 yeah. right away. Yeah, yeah. So that's the biggest change that I saw from taking that away is that well, you, people couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our intent is always to create as cohesive a marketplace as we can, mm-hmm. one that works for you and your clients and works for the way that you do your business. And that is a big, tall order, mm-hmm. but we try to make it happen. Right. So on a little bit of a lighter note, earlier you were talking about uh, networking and mm-hmm. uh, you guys put on a lot of events which is really awesome we do and so um, what is like the biggest benefit you've seen for realtors uh, for agents um, to go to these uh, you know networking events where a lot of the times so, I mean I see some of the same people yeah um, I guess uh, what's well, the benefit from you that? can make the difference in that if you guys don't show up then the same people show Listen, up I love right? I love these events yeah I yeah, know <laughs> but I mean you know all all of the people all of the membership like we will provide the venue right membership is a two-way street when you roll in with new people and you want to make networking a priority real networking will happen right. we can provide the venue we can communicate about it and put it out there and we will continue to do that but mm-hmm. we expect that our members have to to show up and want to be a part of that and be in community with us to really make that work. Right. Gotcha. So I know after you graduated college, you you didn't want to go back to Dallas because you loved Austin. Mm -hmm. What is like your favorite thing about Austin, the surrounding areas? That's a hard question. Yeah. I mean, it's changed a lot, right? Like I don't want it to be Dallas 2.0. That's what I know. (laughs) Um, I, I think it's the culture, you know, I love that that my husband can wear flip-flops to dinner in a nice place and that it's laid back. Like, that's very much who we are. Sure. He's a, a good Cajun boy, so he likes right. it being pretty laid back, too. Yeah. Um, I love that our boys will grow up around all kinds of people and all kinds of walks of life. And um, and we love the university. We're Longhorns, so yeah. we like being home. <laughs> that's awesome. Matt and I both uh, grew up here. We uh, grew up in Round Rock, went to Round Rock High School. Oh, you're real deal. Yeah. That's and awesome. So we've, uh, I mean, we've seen the city change. And um, I know that after I graduated college, I went to Texas State in San Marcos. I'm sorry. So, oh, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, and after college, I went to Houston uh, for a job. And I just, Even well, I was worse. there for two years. Even worse. Couldn't stand it. Not, <laughs> yeah. No offense to Houston or anybody who loves that no, city. No, but we'd rather you invest here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Austin's just, there's just something different. And I agree with you. The culture um, is just amazing. Yeah. So now you have started a podcast, which yeah. is super exciting. Thanks. Um, so tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I've listened to a couple episodes. Okay, cool. It's called the Scratch That Podcast. The okay. idea is that we're scratching below the top layer of issues in our industry. So our members don't get the chance to travel to big conferences like like we do um, as staff and in, in leadership. And sometimes you're missing like understanding the dynamic of new emerging brokerage types. And so I'm just trying to bring those issues that I'm seeing at a very national level locally to you guys so that you can have an awareness of what's coming down the pike, what's already here, and be prepared to respond to it. Mm-hmm. So we're just we're having conversations about things that are happening that are evolving in the industry, trying to prepare you guys for the future and 
We just want you to be in conversation and not be reactive to the stuff that's that's changing. Right. Sure. That's cool. So the target market is agents, realtors? It's my members, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. And, you know, there are people outside of Austin, uh, member, primarily realtor people and industry folks that listen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my, my biggest get is if, is if I'm raising awareness of our realtor members to understand better what's happening in their industry. Gotcha. That's awesome. And you guys are on iTunes? We're on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Okay. It's All the places. Scratch that. Scratch that. All right. Catchy name. Yeah. Hey. Well, that's an interesting topic, and it's a whole other discussion, but I've got all kinds of ideas yeah. on, like, you like the wholesaling. Me, or or if just an example, like, why, you know, it's one license, but mm. you can be a commercial or residential agent. Yeah. And it's basically all geared towards residential. Yeah. So, like, to me, that's so simple, but it's like, why Why is there one li- Why is there not two licenses? Right, right. And did you know that um, as of just, like, two and a half weeks ago, there was a bill in the legislature that would have, if not approved, would have meant that your license was null anyway because the whole T- Texas Real Estate Commission was under sunset review? Like, those are the things, too, that people don't understand. The association's working to ensure that some kind of bill is passed, either through the House or through the Senate, so that TREC is renewed, like, literally authorized to continue to do its business so that your license remains intact. Mm -hmm. That's the value of the association that the member misses on a day-to-day basis, and consumers don't understand. Like, Mm. we're working hard to protect you guys, um, but... Mm. It, speaking of licensure, it was on the line, and we're good yeah. now because the Senate passed a bill last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. super interesting. Yeah. Um, and so um, I guess one of the last questions is, so you're the CEO of ABOR. Yep. Um, is this the is this the end goal for you? Is this where you want to finish out your career? Oh, my God. Are you, you going to wanna... ask me where I see myself in 10 years? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. Well, for my board's sake, I'd like to be right here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I don't know that I saw myself here, you know, okay. 10 years ago. Sure. I, uh, I put my head down and work, yeah. and I try not to get too distracted with what's next. Uh-huh. You know, my North Star is to take ABOR where we want to take it to create the most professional and engaged realtors in the nation. Yeah. And I'll do whatever it takes to get us there, and I know our leadership will too. Um, but I don't know what's next after that. Okay. Maybe just podcasting forever. Sure, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I think that's a great message for um, anybody, really, but, I mean, specifically our audience who are, you know, entrepreneurs or real estate professionals. Of You said, you know, you just put your head down and work. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people sometimes get caught up in, like, looking at the end goal. Yeah. Um, pie in the sky sort of a thing sure. uh, so to speak and uh, kind of get overwhelmed sometimes yeah and I think just putting your head down and doing yeah. work I is mean really... goal setting is important I definitely I wrote it down I will be the CEO of Avor before I was yeah <laughs> and nice. put it out there and it happened and that was cool That's but awesome. um, but that was you know at a closer point to that actually becoming a reality I think you know, if you work hard and do right by people, communicate effectively, you know, there's set, the, there are basic things that are the delineators between success and not. Mm-hmm. And I think we get really tied up in, like, all this other stuff. Yeah. So just, just work hard and treat people right, and you'll be okay. I love that. Yeah. That's a golden nugget right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Good. Last question. Yep. Um, I guess uh, if you had, like, one thing to – or a message to get to uh, your audience, you know, realtors, real estate agents. Yeah. Um. What would it be? You should come hang out with us. Yeah. <laughs> we are not stodgy. We are not old and grumpy. We are very cool people. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, and we being the community, like, 
I know the perception of the association, and I get it, because I think that that was a, a reality for a long time, that it was kind of a cliquish club and that not that many people hung out here. But we can be better when you want to be in community with us. We want to see you guys. We want to know how to serve you. The first question I asked you guys was, how, what can Abor do better? Yeah. You know, tell us. I'll figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us what we can do, and we want to make it happen. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, so for the listeners, uh, how can they find out more about you? Yeah. So they can always abor.com, okay. follow what's happening at the association. I'm super active in social media. Yeah. M, at M. Chenever is my Instagram. Emily Welsh Chenever on Facebook. I don't do the Twitters. It's like too overwhelming yeah, to me. Too <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, just keep an eye on what Abor is sending out cool. and you can know what's up. Awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate you. Thanks. All right, we'll see you guys later.